Hi guys, today I am joined by a very special guest for another episode of our Carry On series. Oh my gosh, I'm like sweating right now. I just told him, but <laughs> I was like baking cookies and it was taking longer than I thought. So I was like running upstairs, like trying to get this set up, but we're good now. We're settled. We're grounded. <laughs> um, yeah. So today I'm joined by Jake Greenberg. Jake graduated in the class of 2021 and he majored in psych and minored in women, gender and sexuality studies. He's currently getting his PsyD at Alliant International University. And when he was in college, Jake was a diver for the UVA men's swim and dive team. And he is now a CrossFit coach. So Real sporty, athletic person overall. Super excited to have you on, Jake, and thanks for coming on. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. So we can just jump into it then. Um, cool. As I mentioned in his intro, Jake is getting his study right now, which is basically like, it's like a, it's a PhD, but specifically for psych. So it's, it's like a PhD, but we shave off a year of the research methods. Okay. We still do a clinical dissertation, but we get a lot of people on our team to help us out with the research mm -hmm. side of things. Okay. Yeah. So basically in a nutshell, it's a lot of schooling, really, really <laughs> intense work. Um, yeah. So Jay, why did you decide to pursue the field of psychology? Well, I've always been really interested in it. I took uh, AP psychology in high school. And that was like the one subject in my life where I'm like, I went into tests, I knew what I was doing, I felt confident in it, I loved the material. And so I was like, okay, I think this is it. Um, and when I applied to UVA, I applied for a major in psych, but I was planning on going pre-med hmm. um, and doing psychiatry. And then I, I took a bio class and that first bio <laughs> class that you was such a joke oh my gosh I was like struggling so hard I'm like yep this ain't it this ain't it <laughs> um and so I quickly went to my plan b which was um clinical psychology and I took the clinical psych course at UVA um summer session mm -hmm. and I think that that really it was with Dr. Beard it changed everything for me and they introduced um, PhD versus CIDES and what the difference were um, in the program and um, what schools they're at because with a CIDES you go to a professional psychology school mm -hmm. rather than a four-year um, and so after that it's just been kind of all right checklist let's get everything done um, and then I applied for grad school mm -hmm. so um, what made me and interested in psychology more generally too were like my past experiences with mental health definitely have dealt with some stuff in um, early adolescent years and I think that's what really inclined me to go into the field as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing. I'm so glad that you had a wonderful experience with a clinical psych class at UVA because I took it with a different professor and it okay. was the worst class I've ever, the content was no. so interesting, so interesting, but the professor, like her exams were so like, did you take neural basis with yes. lunges? Yes. Yeah. It uh -huh. was worse than that. Like I didn't uh, think we could get worse no. than that, but she was so specific with them. And there were these particular set of questions she'd have on the exams where it was like, choose all of the ones that are correct. And if you 
chose an extra one or like didn't choose a specific one, you didn't get any points for it. They were like three point questions. Like, and if you missed one, you didn't get any like partial credit or anything. Oh, that's so, just mean. So I mean. know, I know. I was like, this is, this is rough. That's so funny how you're talking about how you took the bio class and then you were like, nope. Oh, no. <laughs> nope. It's, I mean, I really like science. I think mm-hmm. it's so interesting. However, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well, it's good that you figured that out early on. So, you know, you can get into like the clinical psych route and you went straight to the grad program right out of undergrad, which is really impressive. So what does like an average day look like for you as a PsyD student? Walk us through your schedule. Oh, girl, 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 girl. (laughs) It's it's a lot. So (laughs) I'm so excited to rant about this. Okay, we're ready. Okay, so like right now, um, okay, quick overview of the program. G1 year, which is your first year, um, you have 10 hours of practicum a week and you take 16 units, okay? Um, And so G2 year, you're doing 15 units and then you bump up to 20 practicum hours. Oh my gosh. And then it goes down from there. Classwork goes down tremendously. However, you're still, you have your dissertation now mm. on that. And then you have 25 hours of practicum. So classes go down and then practicum hours go up each year. Um, so right now I'm in five classes. I'm in Monday, intro to psychotherapy for about five and a half hours. <laughs> and then um Tuesdays, I have intro to CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and multicultural psychology. And that's about a six and a half hour day. Oh Wednesday, my gosh. I have my practicum from eight to two. And it's an Oceanside too. So I have to like kind of drive for it. It's like a little commute there. Oh my Thursday, goodness. I have advanced psychopathology and intellectual assessment and that's again six and a half hours and then Friday I work from four to eight p.m. and then between all that I do homework and I have to administer IQ tests Uh, I have to do role play videotape it is constantly grinding you have about it could really be anywhere from on the low end maybe 400 pages a week to about 1200. So the faculty will literally tell you it is impossible to read everything. They'll give you a bunch of material, like each class is about um, four to six chapters plus assignments and exams and uh, essays and write-ups. And you have to also do continuing educations. And so it's, it's a lot of work. Um, you're constantly just trying to stay on top of the week as much as you can. So, that's that's my week those are are my weeks oh my gosh I I literally can't even wrap my head around that I'm in 12 credits right now and I'm like this is nice (laughs) I you know I totally get that I was in undergrad I felt like I was hustling and you know doing the work and yeah uh I I would, I remember I would be so upset if I didn't get to watch like tv at night yeah and it's like most days I am not. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I just don't have the time. Uh, I allow myself like 30 minutes at the end of the night. 
for that for oh the housewives. You've got to make time for yeah. housewives. But <laughs> priorities. It's, it's a lot. That's crazy. So going into grad school straight out of undergrad, how are you managing like burnout and stuff, especially mm. with COVID and everything? Like mm. me, like thinking about going straight into grad school after undergrad just makes me want to cry. Like, I think I definitely need to take like two years off to just do research, have like a nine to five. And at the end of the day, like mm-hmm. I'm done. So how are you like keeping yourself motivated? I have hustled my, since, uh, since I was young, I was diving and doing school. And so I was just kind of used to never having a break. Like mm. this, actually this past summer, from the gap of finishing undergrad going into grad school was my first summer off because usually with diving, I would train all throughout the summer. So I really didn't have a break. So this summer was so nice for me having the just like two and a half months to just relax, go to the beach, hang out with friends, do a bunch of CrossFit. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the burnout I I love it. I love the material. Mm. Uh, even 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 when it's really hard and I have hard weeks and hard days, it's like you love what you're doing at the end of the day. Yeah. So burnout it it'll 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 happen. Some days they're harder than others, but you know, long term, you just you just love what you're doing. So it's yeah, okay, basically. yeah. That makes sense. And I feel like with clinical psych, especially let's go to our next question of kind of what you want to do yeah. career wise with your PsyD, mm-hmm. but just knowing the amount of lives that you're going to touch with your degree Absolutely. and just being so invested in the material and actually having a passion for what you're doing, I think is really special. And like, that's what everyone is looking for in life. No one wants to be stuck in a job that they hate, like a field that they hate. Oh. So, I mean, what are you planning on doing career-wise with your PsyD? So I think the the basic answer is, you know, doing a private practice. However, I have no idea what it's going to look like mm. because they, the faculty members will really encourage you going into a grad program to be so open to possibilities mm. yeah. because you learn so many different things. Like I remember... Before grad school started, I was like psychodynamic Freud, like you. <laughs> that's that's disgusting, right? Like that makes no sense to me. I, I thought it was like so outdated. A lot of the modalities in that, and honestly, just a few. I, now it's like a boy has been a month. Yeah, it's been like a month in the program, and I've done some. I've obviously I'm, I'm, I'm in CBT, but then I'm also. In, in intro to psychotherapy, we kind of approach it with a psychodynamic lens and we learn a lot of differences between how a CBT therapist would respond versus how a psychodynamic therapist would respond yeah. to certain probes, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I totally lean more towards psychodynamic and I would have never thought that. So my whole point is that I'm trying to be really open to future information uh, and possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. And I think it's obviously really good to have an open mind because I feel like a lot of times when you are like in your fourth year of college, you're like, all right, this is what I want to do with my life. Like mm-hmm. it's set, 
but you you don't know I feel like the amount of times yeah. that people change careers and like even like in college I like change majors like it can be kind of scary to think that what you want right now might not be where you end up but you never you never know what life is going to throw at you where it's going to take 100%. you so it's great that you're going into that with an open mind yeah absolutely you have to well, thank you for sharing all of that information about like grad school and side all of that. Super interesting for me. I'm like, this is kind of selfish on my part because I'm like, I just want to know like everything that you're doing right uh-huh. now because who knows, this might be me in a few years, hopefully. Okay. Fingers you, crossed. You, uh, what I'm hearing though is you need a, a year. You need a break. Yes. Yeah. A year, maybe mm-hmm. two. We'll see. My only plan right now, like people keep asking me like, oh, what are your plans for like post-grad and stuff? And I'm like, all I want to do right now is get myself to to Boston and then I'll figure out like research, like whatever I'll do up there. But that's is my only plan. Just manifesting, manifesting. Absolutely. Well, that's like so great that, you know, if I move to Boston, I'm going to be happy. Like that's where I want to go. So make that move first and then the rest will follow, right? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully the rest will follow. So uh, when we were planning, we were kind of talking about topics that Jake wanted to talk about for his carry on episode and something that came up was gender and sexual identity. So Jake, what is your gender sexual identity for the listeners? And when like when you came out reflecting, what was the response to that? So I identify as queer uh, gender wise um, or non-binary. Uh, kind of it's basically the same term in my mind Mm -hmm. Uh, and then also sexuality I also identify as queer so I just identify as like a queer person in general Mm -hmm. Uh, I use he they pronouns I am fine with both however I do encourage people to like mix it up a little bit and try Mm -hmm. both don't just stick with the he pronouns because Mm -hmm. that's what maybe I present as most of the time Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah it's interesting because I feel like you come out so many times right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like at this point I can dress pretty I dress pretty queer um I wear like the booty short (laughs) I wear the crop top so automatically because you know stimulus value they automatically usually will assume I'm somewhat of the queer spectrum right they'll probably assume I'm gay uh and then I don't really have to come out Mm-hmm. And it just is, mm-hmm. and I just exist. But I remember when, at a time like you know, in the in the very beginning, I obviously had to come out to people. But even in college, when I had a boyfriend, and uh, I would study with people in my groups, either for bio or whatever class I was taking, mm-hmm. and maybe at the time I was. Some people didn't always pick up on it. I mean, I don't know really how they didn't pick up on it, but some people <laughs> did. <laughs> some people did it, I guess. Uh, and they were like, wait, what? You have a boyfriend? I'm like, yeah, I have a boyfriend. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so. You're um, like, don't mean to like turn your world upside down or anything. Right, but <laughs> yeah. right, right. So uh, parents, they were, my dad was like, he jumped right into the mindset of how can I keep you safe? Um, and then I think a few w- weeks later, he's like, you know, I like, I love you and don't care. Right. I'm like, yeah, I got you. Thank you. Dad. <laughs> I appreciate that. My mom, she took a little bit, um, but we're in a great place now. Mm-hmm. And she's still learning, especially with 
the gender identity, it's a little mm. bit harder for her to understand. So she's learning and she's improving every day. And I get it because, I mean, I'm still learning about myself, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning things every day and I'm still trying to grapple with what my gender identity is. is it's, it, it, it can be confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So to you, what does it mean to be queer? Because I know it means different things to everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it means that I don't like to assimilate to normative gender expressions. Okay. So my gender expressions are kind of like in between it's like this weird in betweenness mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like am very comfortable and like to present my masculinity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I really like to um, appear and come off as like feminine mm-hmm. and wear feminine clothing yeah. and uh, have that part of me validated. Mm-hmm. So it's constantly like changing every day. Uh, it, I sometimes do feel awkward with very gendered uh, language, like bro. I'm like, mm. oh, ew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, keep that away bro. from me. <laughs> oh, I don't <laughs> like that at all. Um, I, I even like, I like when, I like when people come, girl, like, I mm-hmm. like that. Um, in my personal opinion, I think bro should just be taken out of everyone's vocab. I don't think anyone enjoys being called bro. Um, yeah. But that's interesting. So it seems like you just enjoy having fluidity and not being having to put yourself in a binary gender sexuality. You just get to be you. Yeah, I love that. And I really thought it was interesting what you're talking about with your parents. And I think it's great that your dad supported you because I mean, one thing that we've both learned in our psych classes is just basically when parents of like invalidating. Yeah. Yeah, parents of LGBTQIA plus youth, like invalidating, like not supporting their children, like the effect that has on their mental health. And like, that's why the suicide Mm -hmm. rate for LGBTQIA plus youth is so much higher than heterosexual youth. And so I think that it's also amazing that you and your mom are in a good place now especially since at the beginning you mentioned it was kind of harder and she's still learning and stuff. And I think it's hard when you are part of the LGBTQ plus community and you have parents who don't support you because there's a part of you that wants to give them grace because this is, it's new for them. Like when they were growing up, it was like people in the LGBTQ plus community didn't feel as supported or feel as comfortable like sharing their sexual gender identity. So part of it is like, okay, like they don't understand this and they're learning. But then another part of it is like, it's really hurtful when they're like, no, this, this isn't, this isn't real. Like this is a phase. Like I can't Mm -hmm. support you through this. Um, Well, I, it's also like emotionally your needs are, that you want to be validated, right? Yeah. But then there's the logical side where, okay, they have different experiences than me mm-hmm. and it's going to take time for them just like it did for me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So there's there are two different 
misunderstandings coming from two different places. Mm -hmm. Also, if you're going into therapy, you're going to be wonderful because your reflections and summaries (laughs) are fantastic. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Um, No, that's really kind. Like one thing I wanted just to touch on was I think that everybody like no, okay, not everybody, but like the majority of people do want their parents validation and support. Like that's not an abnormal thing. So it can, even if your friends support you, like your professors, your mentors, like even if the rest of your extended family supports you, I feel like it hits you so hard and so deep if your parents don't, because you're like, why? Like, if you feel unloved, you feel lonely. You're like, you brought me into this world. Like you're supposed to love me. Like, what is this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You have specific attachments to your parents that Mm -hmm. you will not receive anywhere else. Yeah. Anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's literally, it's encoded in our genes. It's biological that we are supposed to be attached to these humans. So. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a journey. Thank you for sharing that though. And you know, I hope things with your mom continue to improve. She continues to learn. She's a great, she's a great lady. We are constantly on the phone together. We're best friends in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. but there, yeah, there is that otherness side Mm -hmm. where she does not think exactly like how I do. And that's okay. Yeah. Everyone has areas for improvement, areas for not improvement, areas for growth. 100%. We all need to grow. <laughs> we we all need to grow. We can all be better humans. <laughs> um, that kind of segues into the next question. But have you ever experienced negative responses to telling people about your gender and sexual identity? And if so, how do you manage that? <laughs> it's a really interesting question because I have not received direct negative feedback or responses Mm -hmm. it's more of like the other person trying to overdo it and the (laughs) fact that they're like oh my gosh yeah that's so cool actually my best friend um in high school was gay it was so cool yeah he was he was great yeah I I loved him and it's like okay (laughs) let's chill I've gotten that a, a lot. Yeah. They're like, my friend's aunt's cousin's fish <laughs> right. is actually right. non-binary as well. It's non-binary. <laughs> non-binary. Do you, clear do you connect with yeah. that fish? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I've received some of that. It's like, it's basically on the verge of a microaggression. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But honestly, it's like funny. Like it, it, it's, it shouldn't be funny, but it is funny. And you have to laugh it off as a queer person, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's something we talked about in Who's Connected, like assume good intent. Yeah. Like you just like got to assume that these people aren't trying to be super offensive or, you know, mm-hmm. overdo it. But just the way that some comments can come off or like, whoa, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's take it yeah. down a notch. Take, take it a one notch down. Yeah. <laughs> Just to close us off, in what ways have you grown since coming out? Oh, what ways have I grown since coming out? It's a, it's more of a feeling to always be able to show up 
to places as yourself. Mm. Um, I think for a long time, and it, it kind of trickled into a lot of other areas of my life where I was just constantly trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Uh, and it was exhausting. Mm. I would go hang out with friends and just be this person for them that the person that I thought that they wanted to see right and wanted to be around and I would come back to my place with just nothing left right Mm -hmm. I was just so my energy was just gone so I think being able to show up in all my interactions and be a hundred percent myself Mm-hmm. I, I, except when I feel maybe my safety could be in jeopardy or if I maybe don't feel comfortable around a certain group that's another thing mm-hmm. but showing up as myself all the time mm-hmm. and all the positives that come from that right mm-hmm. because I yeah. feel so much better about myself my theme is so much better yeah. uh, just the fact that I can think however I show up into this group is going to be okay Mm-hmm. because I'm me I'm Jake and that's all that's that's enough right mm-hmm. that's the part that's changed the most mm-hmm. definitely and I think something that you're touching on is the fact that you're kind of like able to unlock a certain part of yourself and like really be happy and be when you're fully 100% yourself like that is freeing in a way. And I was just listening to a podcast with Emma Gee. Emma is Mormon and she came out as bi when she went to BYU. And she was just talking about that experience. And she also runs track. And in the podcast, she was like, when I first came out to my coach and my team, like I PR'd by like 30 (laughs) seconds. I don't, I don't remember the exact number. Yeah. But it was like something crazy because she was like, I felt like a weight was actually lifted off of my shoulders and I felt lighter and I felt happier. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's just a really beautiful way of explaining what it's like to fully be yourself and like be your authentic self, like you were talking about. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. All right. Well, it was so great to talk to you. Uh, You are going to be a fabulous whatever you decide to do career-wise with your side <laughs> yes. D. I'm like, we're, we won't say therapist or anything, whatever. <laughs> well, I will whatever be a takes therapist. You. Okay. Regardless, I will be Just, a therapist okay. because I'm earning that title. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm not going I... to school for all these years to not be right. a therapist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So you'll be an amazing therapist and you just, I'll be an amazing therapist. yeah, but thank you so much for coming on. So great to talk to you. Absolutely. Anytime. If you want me back, I'm yeah, here. Yeah. Reoccurring guest. We love it. Uh-huh. We love to hear that. Um, all right. So if you guys are still listening, thank you so much. And remember to BYOB next week. Bye.